This is the Bill Kelly Show podcast. The Mohawk College Stony Creek campus, and uh, this is going to be an exciting program. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Uh, we are down here, of course, to talk about uh, skilled trades and the work that goes on here in this community and the collaboration that goes on between the Walters Group and uh, Mohawk College. And we're going to have a number of uh, different topics that we're going to be talking about here, skilled trade shortages, uh, uh, about engineering side of the education program here at Mohawk College, and lots of other things, and some incredible guests that uh, we will introduce you to through the course of the program today. So I'm glad you're with us. Stick around. We'll uh, get to a lot of these folks in just a little while here. But let me start it off with uh, uh, the two presidents uh, that are involved in this uh, collaboration and this partnership, uh, Peter Cranenbrook. Cranendonk, I'm sorry, Peter, is with us, who is the president of the Walters Group. Thanks for coming today. Good morning, Bill. Thank you for having me on. And, of course, Ron McCurley, uh, president of Mohawk College. Thanks for us, uh, have, uh, having us at your house here. It's great well, to hear you. Thanks for coming to our Skilled Trades campus, Stony Creek. Thanks, L- Bill. Let's talk a little bit about this building and what's going on here, first of all, Ron. This is a, an incredible success story for Mohawk College uh, from where this program started and, uh, and the importance of, of skilled trades and the work that goes on here at this campus. So the demand is huge from uh, the industry for uh, people that are trained in skilled trades. And so uh, we've uh, done a lot of building over the last number of years, and we continue to build additional space and add more programs uh, to engage more partners and in, in, uh, more practical applications of uh, education. So it is, uh, it is a bit of a growth story, and uh, the demand continues to come from industry, and we continue to be in a situation where we can't produce enough of the, the right skill sets for, uh, for industry. What, what, what makes this so successful here? I mean, Mohawk is, is considered now by people in this industry now as, as the number one skills trade and, and retraining course situation really right here across the province right now. Uh, what, how do you get your mojo going here? How do you make this work as well as it does? Well, we've got amazing staff here, uh, great leadership. Uh, they come from industry. They understand uh, what it is industry needs in terms of education uh, for the students and for the graduates. They uh, they work well together. Uh, they have uh, created a huge number of industry partners, so they have some uh, very uh, real reasons why students would want to come and study here because the likelihood of them getting a job on graduation is significantly higher than it is some other places. Uh, We have probably 20 programs here where 100% of the students on graduation already have jobs. So, uh, you know, that speaks well, I think, to the fact that we've got uh, a great faculty, staff, and administration here to make that all happen. Let's talk about the collaborations then, if we could, uh, Peter, and, and the work that goes on. I mean, uh, the Walters Group is a great success story in and of itself with the work that you've done internationally now and, and the way that this company has grown as big as it has. But what an asset to have an institution like Mohawk College that you can partner with to, to de- develop that workforce. Yeah, it's uh, hard to know where to start and where to end in terms of the depth of our relationship with Mohawk and in how many aspects of our company it's contributed to. I myself... Uh, was in the business program here at Mohawk back in 1986-87. Several of our owners are graduates from Mohawk. We have Mohawk graduates uh, and alumni throughout our company making a really rich contribution to these amazing structures right across North America. So it's it's in our blood, it's in our DNA, this uh, the, the things we've learned at Mohawk and we've developed that a lot further in terms of what the next generations of uh, steel builders will be doing and learning from uh, this association. Ron, this is really the very essence of what community colleges were started uh, way back in the, in the early, late 60s, I guess, really, when uh, Premier Bill Davis uh, instituted this college, the community college system here. Uh, it was it was 
I, always the vision, I think, to see that collaboration between industry and, and, and education. And uh, Mohawk has, has really, really taken the lead in that. Yeah, we, in fact, we're 50 years old this year, so uh, uh, 1967 was when we mm -hmm. were founded as Mohawk College. Uh, and from the very beginning, uh, our DNA has been uh, applied education, working with the community, working in the community with uh, uh, community leaders like Walter Steele and others to uh, make sure that we can produce the kind of graduates that industry needs. Uh, we see that still today as our raison d'etre. That's why we exist. Uh, we still see ourselves as a community college with uh, roots deep into the community, and the focus is still on student success and student outcomes. How do we ensure that we can get students in, get them in the right programs, support them properly, uh, get them linked up with uh, industry opportunities, uh, co-op programs, and so on? We're the first college in uh, uh, college in Canada to offer co-op education way back when, and uh, it's been a, a great part of our success as well. How do you integrate uh, the the elements of, of education into what you're doing at Walters Group, uh, Peter? When obviously as a graduate of Mohawk, you you understand and have a, a great knowledge of the success of, of Mohawk students and what they can bring to the table right now. But but let's talk about the collaboration and how those students are working with Walters and 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 you're actually employing these people as they're getting their education. Yeah, that uh, takes form in a couple of ways, Bill. Um, we have our seasoned, uh, most of them are Mohawk graduates. Uh, assisting in actual education. They're uh, teaching some of the senior structures course with uh, Tecla software and we also attend the uh, annual uh, career fairs and so on but we also try to hire as many co-op students as we can in different parts of the company and these are um, students that might be in a CET program for example but they're getting exposure on the shop floor so they're also being exposed to skilled trades. Um, so welcoming co-op students into our various uh, aspects of our company and then giving back to the college by providing uh, education where we can. So this is hands-on training and classroom training going on at the same time. So the way this it works is the students spend uh, four days here at Mohawk and then one day uh, where they get to, to earn some money working at Walters. And so uh, they are working with instructors uh, through those four days and then they're applying what they've learned uh, out on a, a job site uh, for that fourth day. Well, I, day. I can remember the was it last year, I guess, when we did the show from up at the Walters Group up on Rymel Road there from your, the, the plant up there. And there's a couple of Mohawk classes, I guess, that were kind of filtering in through the plant at that time, too, kind of getting a first-hand look at this. But you guys were doing something else that I thought was just phenomenal, though, Peter, because we'd always had these concerns about, well, what's going to happen with the local economy? You guys are hiring. I mean, you were bringing people in. There's a job fair there. Come, You want to work? Come talk to the Walters Group. It's 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 a, just incredible the way that the, the employment situation and, and the work that the Walters Group is doing has, uh, has gained such a, an incredible reputation. Yeah, it's been uh, really exciting to take a, a Made in Hamilton success story and leverage that across North America. Uh, we're doing major projects in New York City, out in Calgary, and this is local talent um, that came out of this partnership and many other initiatives. And being able to grow and put these, uh, these young people to work is just a thrill for them, for their families, and for the Walters Group. And it's a tough market out there, but we do hope to continue to grow and embrace challenges with these uh, wonderful people that we're building. I would advise people or suggest that they go to the website, by the way, for the Walters Group, and because I know that you've got some stories there about some of the projects that you're involved in. And uh, you could, the model for you guys actually could be there's no job too big for you guys. I mean, it's amazing some of the projects you've taken. Yes, uh, we have this, this relentless passion to... Uh, 
take a challenge and, and just turn it into reality to embrace our client's vision. And it's, it's a very organic, uh, people-centric process internally, externally. Uh, it's a big thrill for us to, to take on a new and exciting project and see what we as a team can, uh, can turn that into a, a reality for the what, client. There's an atmosphere when you go up there, and I've been up there a few times now, and it's been incredible. I talk to the staff there, I talk to the people in the shop, I talk to people in the offices, and and as big as this company is, the, the fascination I find about this is that it's it's almost like it's a family. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody is, is how how's this going? Hey, how did you think it's sa- on Saturday? Go set the right place. There's a uh, there's a real a, a kind of a close knit relationship there between the staff. Family is uh, absolutely. Uh, it's the unspoken core value that kind of trumps all the other ones. And my grandfather started the company, but we're a family business that truly goes, is a family business beyond blood. It's, it's an entire family. We've also called ourselves a small company doing big things. And that kind of mantra has, has carried us into amazing places. So always watching out for each other, be treating each other as family. Um, is just leads to a wonderful experience working at Walters. Ron, let's talk a little bit about uh, about this because this campus here and the way that this has grown. I was mentioning to you before we started the show today. I was here back in my days on council when uh, the fed- the provincial government was here to make the announcement about skilled trades and that we're going to invest in this, etc. And uh, to suggest that you guys have taken that and run with it is is a massive understatement. It's it's incredible how this facility has actually grown in the number of years that you've been here. Yeah, Mohawk is uh, the largest trainer of apprentices of any colleges in in the province. And so uh, this is a great facility because we can have all the trades working under one roof and learning under one roof. Uh, In fact, we've just built uh, a new building here, just uh, almost completed, not quite, uh, but we'll have students in it hopefully uh, sometime later this year. Uh, where we're going to have the trades uh, working together so that they can figure out how to work in cooperation. And uh, this was a request from uh, many of our employers that uh, said individually they all know their trade, but they don't know how to uh, make that work uh, work smoothly uh, by working together. So this will allow us to train some of uh, the trades together, uh, working on projects together. So, so that's an exciting new addition for us, uh, for us as well here. Well, that's and that's going to be key for the for the the worker the workforce, I guess, of of tomorrow too, to understand the relationship between that job that you're doing and the job that I have to do. And you know, you're not working in silos, and you're working almost as a team then. Well, and I, I just went through uh, home renovation a year ago, and I remember the you know the plumber would come in and do you one piece sympathies. of work, and then the <laughs> then the drywaller would come in and do something else, and then the electrician would come in and rip out what uh, you know the last trade had done, and we just went back and forth like that. So you know we've we, we've got to figure out how to be a little more efficient in terms of using uh, using the different trades together. Peter, let's, the relationship between industry and, and education right now is is, is really interesting. It's, it's fascinating to see how this has evolved. Uh, there was a time uh, back when I went to Mohawk, and I guess this, the community college system, I guess, was relatively young then. But it was you went to school, you got your degree. We did have co-op programs back in those days, too. But it was tif- tough to get placements because I guess industry was kind of looking skeptically and saying, well, I don't know if you guys are going to work out or not. But, but that's grown as, amazingly enough. But you got your education, and then it's okay. Now where am I going to go? I got to go get a job. That's not the case anymore. That that relationship between the student and 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 that leap they have to make to be an employee at some point really starts while they're still in school, doesn't it? Uh, often it does. Uh, the co-op program is uh, a really great avenue towards that. Uh, scholarships and different interface points. 
just starting to network with uh, students while they're still in school and, and recognizing their passions and their interests and helping build energy and excitement. Um, the earlier that you start that process, the better it is for everybody involved. And uh, that's something we're seeing ourselves and uh, I think other industry partners are experiencing the same. Well, it's certainly mutually beneficial, obviously for the student, soon to be employee, but at the same time the company gets to know who that student is and what they're all about and what their skill set is. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's kind of a neutral forum to explore opportunities with each other, and when it clicks and the chemistry's there, it, it, it often turns into success, and we have very low turnover or uh, failures once it's gone through that process. It, it often works out well. And that, now that's the evolution of the, the community college program, really, isn't it, Ron, that uh, you've developed those relationships with Walters Group and other industries here in town, other businesses, uh, where there's that dialogue that goes back and forth that where, where the Walters Group will say, this is the kind of person we're looking for. This is the kind of course that we need. Uh, we need people to, to learn this skill set here, and, and, and this, the, the institutions are responding to that. Um, we have... Uh program advisory committees now for every uh, program that we run where we have industry representatives sit there and advise us in terms of uh, what courses, what type of material needs to be covered, what kind of skills need to be developed. Uh, so so we can refine that and we continue to refine that. But the, the truest test, I think, is to get the students out into uh, into Walters and other companies. Uh, they get to see what the industry is like. They get a sense of whether this is right for them. Uh, the, the company gets to test and see whether that's the right fit and the right person for them. Uh, and, and so it is a, a bit of a refining process over time, but the, the program advisory committees are really helpful for that. As, as this city evolves, and, and we've talked about Hamilton going through a renaissance and a different kind of economy, a new kind of economy that's going on here. I mean, there's still manufacturing going on, certainly, although it may not be on Burlington Street anymore, but it's happening in, in other pockets in, in the city right now. How does the college adjust to those changing times? So we're always adding new programs. We're always evaluating programs. Um, so working with uh, robotics and drones and uh, new technologies, uh, introducing them into co courses and programs, um, looking at, uh, we always monitor uh, jobs, so post six months of graduation, did the, uh, did the graduate get a job or not, and, and so we can throttle back on programs where uh, there aren't sufficient jobs. Uh, the program advisory committees help us in terms of uh, forecasting demand. But but one of the reasons I got engaged in the uh, mayor's Blue Ribbon Task Force on workforce development was we don't have good enough data right now in terms of what are the what are the jobs that are in demand, what are the jobs of the future, uh, how's that going to change over time, and so part of the work that uh, Mayor Eisenberger is doing is on that task force is around trying to better understand uh, the workforce demand, supply and demand issues. And obviously feedback from industries like that. I mean, from from your standpoint, Peter, I guess your role is is to watch that evolution. I mean, look at how the Walters Group has changed and evolved over the years from that little shop on Upper Wellington Street way back when to where you are now. Yeah, and as Ron was speaking, it uh, just brought back kind of a an early perception that I had of educational edu uh, institutions was that they were fairly bureaucratic, set in their ways, um, and, and not not what I would characterize as a listening ear to local industry. And I think Mohawk has broken that stereotype for us. They're, they are active, serious listeners. Uh, they, they really do want to work with Walters and the other industry partners in the area and truly make the changes needed to match uh, 
programs and uh, student outcomes with the needs that exist. And, and that adaptability, I think, is one of the reasons why Mohawk has uh, this wonderful campus and the program they do on skilled trades. Well, because there was a time, I think your characterization, Peter, was probably quite accurate at one point some years ago because everybody worked in silos. I mean, Mohawk was on the mountain doing their thing. McMaster was out in the West End doing their thing. Industry was down on Burlington Street doing their thing. And nobody was talking to each other. And, uh, and we were the worst for it, I guess, as a result. But uh, I used a word at the beginning of the program today, collaboration. And that really seems to be the key word here. Oh, and we've got some... We've got some great educational partners in this city. Uh, McMaster is a world-class university. Uh, uh, we work well together. A number of our programs are in cooperation with them. We have pathways for students to start uh, at Mohawk and to complete at McMaster. We have programs that are totally integrated uh, right from the be very beginning in healthcare and technology. So, uh, so I think uh, uh, Hamilton has learned. We, uh, the, the great thing about this city is we do work well together and, and there's a lot of cooperation that happens. So, uh, and not only with our educational partners, with our healthcare partners, with our industrial partners. So, uh, yeah, no, so it's, it's a nice, it's a great place to be and a great place to work because people are willing to uh, to figure out success together. Well, I'm always impressed uh, when I start poking around and start to see who's doing what here. And, and even down at the West End there, right across the road from us at the McMaster Innovation Park and the Automotive Research Center that's going on there, the, the collaboration that goes on between McMaster and Mohawk there, the work that's being done. And it's, uh, it's, it's revealing when you start talking to some of the, the people that are working and teaching in those environments and you start looking at some of the things that are being developed right here in Hamilton because of that collaboration. Uh, you know, we're talking about the evolution of the auto industry and how things are going on with hybrid technology and things of that nature, alternative fuels, and a lot of that work's being done by, by your staff and your students. There's some amazing stuff going on at the college right now uh, on healthcare and, and uh, immunization records that uh, we're creating software that's being rolled out right now in Tanzania and uh, and uh, and other uh, looking at other uh, Southeast Asian countries and 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 these are made in Hamilton solutions that are going out to the world. So there's a, a lot of bright people here and and a lot of people focus on doing the right thing. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show weekdays from nine to noon on AM nine hundred CHML. We're at Mohawk College at the Stony Creek campus and uh, we are joined by our good friends, of course, from the Walters Group. And uh, Peter Krannendock is with us, of course, the president of the Walters Group. And uh, joining us now is uh, Doug Daniels, Associate Dean, Industrial and Motive Power at Mohawk College. Uh, we want to talk, first of all, Doug, thanks for coming in. It's great to see you guys again. Uh, just before the break, when, uh, when uh, we were talking, uh, with Peter and, and, and Ron McCurley, uh, I was talking about some of the work that goes on at Mohawk and the collaboration. Uh, and I mentioned uh, the MARC, the, the, the Automotive Research Center, of course, that goes on there. Uh, and the, the, the topic here is about skilled trades and, and not just knowing what you need for today, but anticipating what, what, we're, gonna, what we're gonna need in the, in the workforce in, in the future as well. It's a daunting task. But talk to us about how Mohawk approaches something like that. Well, Bill, we, uh, we work day by day with our, our staff and our students, um, but more importantly, we work with our partners, our industry partners, because unless we're delivering uh, what we need to our students, uh, they won't be ready. Uh, so we're always with our advisory committees. We're out there uh, learning from them. Uh, we're learning new technologies um, from 
different uh, funding opportunities, we uh, we actually are able to buy new equipment and buy updated equipment. So we are able to teach new technologies. So I think our biggest thing is uh, being out in that community and talking to our partners and working with our partners that we have several in the area, like Walters, and uh, learning from them what we need to do and how we can better improve, make our students, as we call it, future ready, so that they are ready to, when they leave here, that they're ready to work in the in the existing task force. And Peter, you've got the same challenge in industry, obviously. I mean, if you look at uh, what goes on, for instance, on, on the Rymel Road plant or out in, in, in Brantford or any of the other locations that, that you guys are working, uh, as opposed to what you were doing in those same plants uh, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, the technology it changes almost daily, I would think. Yeah, now interestingly, technology doesn't take away from jobs uh, in our case. It uh, it helps accelerate us and make us more competitive and we can hire more people. Maybe doing a little bit different things, um, moving a little higher on the skill metric, but uh, technology is a friend, uh, not an enemy for sure. And which is debunking a myth that a lot of people have is, oh my gosh, if you guys are going to get a computer to do that, or you're going to get this to do that, that means uh, you know only one person instead of 15 people. But there are still things for people to do there. It's a, it's a, it's a matter of, of, of the industry itself changing and, and focusing differently. Yeah, always adapting, uh, reinventing yourself as needed. Uh, it can be tough when you're celebrating your 60th anniversary to get complacent and set in your ways, but we have to be forward-faced, future-faced, and constantly adapting and embracing technology, and uh, our partnership with Mohawk is, is just one of those initiatives. And and obviously, the next step, uh, as far as you guys are concerned, Doug, is that you have to keep up with that as well. And in, in other words, as, as new technologies are available, you've got to have your hands on those too, so those students are, 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 are familiar with the kind of work that's being done and how it's going to be done. Absolutely. So all of our, our faculty here at uh, Stony Creek Campus are all skilled tradespeople in the area that they teach in. So when new technology comes out, uh, we actually, people will um, pick up that task and they'll they'll learn that new technology. Um, we have an opportunity right now where we're actually looking at augmented virtual reality, um, which is a brand new technology out there, but uh, from a delivery aspect will help students recognize and see what's out there. Um, the day of the day of just a wrench and a hammer in hand are no longer there. It's the first thing that most people do when they're checking, they have to plug their computer in or their tablet in and and determine where the, the issues are. So you're right, it doesn't take away from the, uh, the trades. What it does is it enhances the trades and makes our students better, more highly skilled and their opportunities. But the instructors have to be that way too. I mean, you're always learning as well because that's changing every day or every week and you've got to be on top of that. Absolutely. So our instructors... So who trains the trainers? <laughs> uh, through through different uh, opportunities. When they, for instance, this HoloLens, when it comes out, we send people to these conferences. We send them to training, specific training. Um, um, one of my uh, shops has custom makes custom trim. Well, I have to send my instructor to a, a company that makes custom trim because we got the equipment. He has to learn how to use that equipment and, and so he can show the students so when they run into it in reality and in the world, they're able to operate that. So, yes, we're constantly training our trainers through uh, outside opportunities. That, that's the, the benefit, I guess, Peter, of the program, the, the collaboration you've got with Mohawk here, where there's, there's a classroom training here, but you've got them up at the shop as well, learning in hands-on materials, basically. Yeah, we have the students really applying their theory uh, very practically, and uh, they're not just building sample pieces. They're, they're building pieces that go into these structures so they, they can, you know, 
watch the news and, and see a building that, that they've actually helped build. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty exciting. And, and obviously it, it, it boosts their uh, own, I, I guess, feeling about, you know, contributing and being a part of this thing. It's, 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 it's not just going through the motions. I mean, this is, this is hands-on stuff, and these students are getting a, a first-hand a p- a look at exactly what, what needs to be done and, and the kind of work that needs to be done. It's got to be fascinating uh, for them to be up at those shops and to see the kind of work that goes on there. I, I, when I got the tour up there, when I, up there a couple of years ago, it's, the, the stuff that's going on right here in Hamilton uh, is, is just phenomenal, and it's the story that we really need to tell about, about the kind of cutting-edge technology that's being developed here, and, and of course the workforce that's being developed here as a result. That's correct, uh, and with the, um, the equipment that we have brought in and the opportunity like we have with Walters for real living labs, our students are actually going out and doing something that is, they're really involved in something that is in their production shop. So these students are, are realizing the importance of the study. So with the technologies, yeah, we teach them how to use it and, and stress that. But then when they go on into a co-op opportunity and uh, we have different one-year, four-month co-op uh, opportunities, they actually see how to apply what they've learned. So when they walk out and they, oh, I've seen that equipment at school and now I know how to use it. Peter, we hear the phrase all the time about skilled trade shortages, and there's not enough skilled trades, and you know we, we can't seem to find uh, people that are trained properly for these sorts of things, uh, and, and the kind of work that goes on uh, in in the industry itself, and, and particularly with you guys at the Walters Group. How do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, obviously these collaborations are important, but when when we hear there are, are shortages and and not enough skilled workers to go around for some of the work that needs to be done right now. Is it because people aren't interested in this? Is it because the industry is growing that quickly that there's always a, an influx or a, a desire, I guess, for more more workers? What's 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 the math on this? We really need a multi-pronged approach on this. Um, our target audience to show the value of skilled trades is more parents than students. Uh, parents have a perception that y- you need to have a white-collar job. It, even that term is 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 an old term that shouldn't be used. Um, so. We are really, in this partnership, uh, trying to build energy and excitement around skilled trades, the, the value of skilled trades, um, how it's making a, a real impact in uh, employees' lives, family lives, uh, community life, and, and, and across the country. And we have some amazing success stories of students who've chosen a skilled trades career. Uh, we just had our uh, holiday year-end party and, and just had some wonderful testimonials from families who've, who are just enjoying this journey of skilled trades. So our messaging needs to be multi-pronged to the entire society to build uh, more energy and and traction for skilled trades. The concerns and and some of the myths, I guess, that that may contribute to that attitude sometimes, though, Peter, could well be, well, you know, is there a future there? Is there long-term employment there? Uh, How long is that journey from the beginning to where I'm actually gainfully employed? Uh, How do you get that message across? Because the answer to most of those things is, yes, this is a very positive atmosphere. Um, You've got a track record to look at in the past in terms of the past is not necessarily a predictor of the future, but it's indicative. Mm-hmm. And if you see uh, the, the journey that you would go on, um, it's an exciting journey. And there's just a lot of, uh, we're hoping that a lot of the people who've made the choice for skilled trades become ambassadors for it. And we are seeing more and more of that. 
and uh, these are long-term opportunities that uh, help build our infrastructure and quality of life in Canada and, and the U.S. Part of the answer, I guess, has to be as well, though, Doug, is, is people understanding, and I think it's the community as well, understanding about the evolution of, of the workforce and what's going on here and where the jobs are. Um, you know, gone are the days when we're sitting here thinking, boy, I wish there would be a factory that opens up down the street here with 4,000 jobs. I mean, they, they, those don't happen much anymore, if at all. Uh, groups like the Walters Group, and that's that's the future of industry right now, and people, I think, have to grasp that and understand that, that that's where the workforce is going to be centered on, is these, these operations, these kinds of operations. Absolutely. I, I think... Um like you say, the day of the days of the Stelfos and Tafascos of 10,000 employees are no longer here. Steel mills certainly are a huge factor still in Hamilton, but manufacturing. But, yeah, but they're doing in, it different. They're just doing it differently, and they are having support from a lot of outside of industries, smaller industries. So we need to be able to prepare our students for those industries and make people understand that there is manufacturing happening, there is jobs available out there. As, as Peter said, um, mom and dad need to understand that the skilled trades is no longer, a, if you can't go to university, or just go to be a tradesperson, that's not a, the equivalent. They, they can go either way. Um, personally, I have one that's a university grad and one that's a, a skilled trades grad, and both of them are very successful in their jobs. So I think mom and dad, whenever we have that opportunity, we go to the high schools, we go to, to open houses or different events like that, and we, we sh- sell the trades and the opportunities that are there, um, not only for the, the students, but in the, in the manufacturing world, that Hamilton is still a manufacturing city. And we are able to, there's jobs available. How is that message received when you go out to these uh, the, the high schools and, and, start, and have those discussions? It sometimes is, you know, people look at it and say, yeah, right. But it's becoming more and more. Mom and dad are recognizing and realizing that not all of their, their students or their, their children, or not children, but their young people, are academic learners. They're hands-on tactile learners. So it is getting better day by day. Um, there's still some doubt in, you can see doubt in parents' mm-hmm. eyes. Um, but I think that that's, that's changing dramatically. We're seeing that change. And there's a lot of opportunity. I think the, f- the fact that it's published, that we need skilled trades, I think that that's been a huge uh, help for us also. Part of that message, I guess, has to be, uh, I, I guess, understanding of the evolution of how industry has changed, really, to a certain extent, I guess, Peter, uh, that, uh, you know, the toolkit that they use these days is your laptop. I mean, that, that's that's basically, you, you don't... You don't have the wrenches of the, or the, the screwdriver set or whatever necessarily, but you need that laptop. You need that iPad. That's that's where an awful lot of the work gets done, especially in your case in the, in the design phase of what's going on. Yeah, we actually have a full range of skilled trades opportunities at Walters. There is some very hands-on, creative, uh, constructive process. There's the uh, design process, coordination. Uh, it's there, there's every aspect, and every aspect is rewarding. It's also incumbent on us as employers to have a new reality, a, a new normal for what it means to work at skilled trades. It's not dirty, sweaty, grunt work. Uh, excuse the expression. It's it's exciting work in a good quality environment, a family environment. People care for each other. Very very safe. Great emphasis on quality of life and safety. It's a truly rewarding environment, and we're seeing that impact in uh, in families. 
You talk about that family atmosphere. We mentioned that uh, in an earlier segment on the program here today, and we, we saw that. Uh, I just want to go back, and, and I know you're very familiar with this stuff too, Doug. Was, uh, just before Christmas, we were down at City Kids on Burlington Street, and uh, the work that the Walters Group did in that building there, uh, which was basically, as I found out, as Marty very told us that day, it was mostly volunteer work. I mean, the folks from Walters Group just said, yeah, hey, I'm up for that. I can do that. And, and within the space of a, a few short hours, this incredible project was was done. Obviously, there was design work and everything that went into it. But that's the kind of passion that uh, that we see with that group, Peter. Yeah, that's a great bellwether on the energy and passion for giving back to communities. We put the... Uh the notice out there who wants to come in on a Saturday on their own time and help fabricate the mezzanine for city kids. And we had lots of volunteers and, and they made it, you know, they, they made breakfast together. They just had an absolutely wonderful time. And then we had our installers go in and put it up. It's just a wonderful story. And uh, we, we're looking for more opportunities like that to give back. And you know all about that because you spent a lot of time down there. Absolutely. Uh, I've been involved with city kids for about eight years now. I'm one of the drivers. Um, but one of the red bus drivers. One of the red bus drivers. But it's also, when we walked in, it was like seeing the mezzanine assemble, and it's like, wow, it magically appeared. Obviously, it wasn't magic, but just the fact of the volunteers, hours that went into the fabrication, the assembly, and the volunteers that are at City Kids and, and giving back to the city. Uh, so it's, it's an incredible operation and an incredible opportunity. But that's part of this, you know, we talk about the new economy and the new attitude that's going on in the city right now. And, and you look at a place like Mohawk and obviously a company like the Walters Group, and that, that, that sense of community is, is a big part of this. Uh, the name, of course, is Community College, but I mean, the, you really have become and, and are intricately involved in, in the community in very many ways. It's, it's not just a campus at Mohawk or a campus in Stony Creek a- anymore. It's it's you're in the community doing all these sorts of things. It's it's going out and reaching out into that community as opposed to the community coming to your facilities. Absolutely. We're involved in various ways. Uh, our building reno uh, team re- uh, has done a couple of uh, refits in the city. Uh, some churches. Uh, we built a couple of houses a couple of years ago for Habitat as part of a living lab. Uh, we taught our students rather than in a shop here, we took them out into a real life situation and and uh, uh, two years ago, we built two houses for Habitat down on the beach strip. Yep. Uh, so these students learned firsthand what it was like to actually be out in the cold, the rain, the snow. We didn't finish until December, so they actually learned reality as they were learning. So it was a really positive thing. Well, and it's, it, again, I mean, we're here at the Stony Creek campus, and, and there's the other fabulous campus up at West 5th. But, but the, the outreach programs and, you know, the, the work you do at, like, the Eva Rothwell Center and places like that, you're, you're going into the community, and that's maybe part of the way that you get that message across about what Mohawk has to offer by going to them and saying, by the way, we can do this for you. You, you may not even have ever been to West 5th and Fennel, but we're, we're coming down to see you now, and that, that really gets that message across. Absolutely. Uh, we've just in the process of purchasing a mobile classroom. Um, it's a 53 or 55 foot uh, semi trailer that expands out into about a thousand square feet. And that will be um, moving around the city at various areas down on the north end and wherever by Eva Rothwell. And we'll be teaching basic classes in some of the trades. So that's that's coming in the, in the, the new year or the end of this year. So those kinds of things absolutely want to be involved in the community. We want to engage community people and wherever we can work with them. Um, so that they understand who Mohawk is. It's city school. It is uh, now in the Rothwell. We did a robotics um, program just before Christmas, six weeks. 
This is six weeks, I think, and in the evening for grade sixes. And we built some mini robots with these kids. Kids just came in, signed up with moms and dads, and uh, we had that opportunity every Wednesday night for about six or eight weeks in a row. So it was a, it was a great opportunity. I had the opportunity to be part of that. So it's a lot of fun. Oh, I bet it was. But that, again, I think that's an intricate part of what we need to do here in the community. Is you know, it's one thing to say, okay, Mohawk is fabulous, and look at all these programs. But now you're going out into the high school level. But it's got to start even before that. And when you look at some of the other companies that go on, and and, and Peter, you see this obviously in the in in industry, the competition that goes on there. Uh, the the sooner you start uh, students with learning about computers, about coding, about these sorts of things, about skilled trades, uh, the sooner they start to develop those skill sets, the better they're going to be as they get to that age where they're going to be employable. Yeah, it's so important to get them out of the education silo and and facing and learning and experiencing the realities around them. And as as you say, Bill, the earlier in their program they do that, uh, the better it is for for everybody involved. Um, The skilled trades journey is, is, it's a big, big story across across the country, the federal government's involved. Our HR manager, uh, Marty Verhey, sits on a committee called HSTAC, Hamilton Skilled Trades and Apprenticeship uh, Consortium. And I think that committee was pretty impactful to uh, even starting this particular joint venture of joint training uh, with, with many students, uh, men and women having gone through that, a bunch of them we've been able to hire. So being able to, to face the realities, the broad demographics, mapping the aging workforce and doing something real about it is really exciting and, and I'm excited about where that's going to take us in the future. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. This place is phenomenal and the activity that's going on around here today is, uh, is truly amazing and uh, we want to talk a little bit about that as we go through the program today. Uh, we are... Uh, of course, the hosts are our good friends here at Mohawk College, but also the Walters Group. Uh, and uh, we just had Peter Cranendock, of course, the, the president of the Walters Group, with us just a, a few minutes ago. In a couple of seconds, I'm going to introduce you to a couple of folks that have gone through the program and now working at uh, Walters Group. Uh, Peter Olnick joins us now. He is the professor of civil engineering technology at Mohawk College. Good to see you, Pete. Thanks for coming today. Nice to see you too, Bill. Thank you. Uh, Dave, uh, Dan Havercroft, sorry, Dan, is the Associate Dean Building and Construction Sciences at uh, Mohawk. And uh, Dave, first of all, Dan's agreed to do the renovations on our house, and I really appreciate that. Very so. good. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> we'll discuss that later on. Yeah. Uh, and also is Alexandra Biss and Dave Javadoni, who, uh, you guys, first of all, thanks for coming today. It's great to see you guys here. Uh, you've gone through these programs and are now uh, employed with the Walters Group, and I want to get your story. So let's let's start with you guys first of all, uh, Alexandra, with you, but about how you got involved in this program in the first place. It was a rather circuitous route, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I actually started in architecture at Ryerson University, and I did that for a year and didn't like it. And so I thought, well, I'll try Mohawk's teaching style, and maybe that will be better suited for me. So I started in the architecture program there. And after first semester, I realized I I like the civil classes better. And it's common for civil and architecture and transportation in that first semester. So it was really easy for me to switch right into civil. And I love it. It's almost like picking an expertise, right? You know, it's a general thing the first year. And then you can kind of uh, hive off into into what you you wanted to specify it. Exactly. And that's the beauty of the program is you get exposed to all the different branches. And then you see which classes um, you are most passionate about. And then you get to kind of choose which route you want to take. Dave, what's your story? Uh, first off, good morning, Bill. Uh, I began with the with the civil program in Mohawk. I went back to school probably about uh, six or seven years after leaving high school, and uh, civil was something that always drew my attention. It was an opportunity to to 
put my own thumbprint on uh, on the city's landscape with uh, with the high rises, bridges, and whatnot. Uh, the choice between university or college, I went back and forth on on that quite often, quite uh, for quite some time. I eventually decided on Mohawk College just for the hands-on aspect, the the quality of the teachers there, and the fact that you had more more face-to-face -face time with the with the instructors and the broad scope of of options you had in front of you, like Alex was mentioning. When you get into a situation like this, Peter, and, and you've got two fabulous students, so like Alexander and Dave, uh, how does that integration process start? And for instance, I mean, ultimately, it, it led to this, this partnership with the Walters Group. But how do you introduce students like this into those partnership programs and into those hands-on sorts of uh, endeavors? It, uh, it's actually pretty simple, Bill. Um, we, we are always looking uh, for particular students, not just uh, academic, but personality as wise, uh, personality uh, traits as well. And uh, I think Peter Cranendog mentioned earlier a set of core values that Walters has developed over the years. And so we kind of look at, uh, or I personally look at uh, each of the individual students and say, uh, yeah, you know, they, they match these core values. They should, <coughs> excuse me, do well in the program. And then we uh, have um, meet the grad nights, <coughs> excuse me, a couple of times a year. And Walters is always at those events. And uh, they, we will get a chance to introduce the students one-on-one -on -one to people like Marty Verhey, their HR manager, and uh, and just let it flow from there and see if it works. Similar situation with with your department, Dan. Yeah. Well, this is all in a, under the same department. Yeah. And I guess I would add that uh, like there's a lot of the co-op programs, and so it's a, a real-life kind of interview situation that they go. It's restricted to the, the group of students that's there and the, the employers that come, but other than that, it's a real-life situation. And they the employer gets to meet the grads. They decide through the an employment or resumes, and they select them for interviews. And from the interviews, they hire somebody for that co-op term. A uh, number of students go back to the same co-op on, the, on their next opportunity for co-op and uh, some end up working there full-time, as uh, we've got some examples here. Well, like these two folks yeah. here have as well. Do you have enough placements for the students that you have in the program? Generally, uh, our co-op placements uh, and the balance between students and the number of co-ops are balanced out. Uh, any one year, there might be more jobs, there might be more students, but generally speaking, uh, we're placing all the students in, in co-op positions. We we can't guarantee that because as markets go up and down, but sure. generally speaking, the programs have been very successful with co-op placement. Yeah, you're pushing 100% placement during co-ops and, yeah. and probably high 90s or mid 90s for full-time placement afterwards. We would say that most of the students that uh, if they really are interested in getting co-op and they want it, they're going to get placed. But it speaks well to the program and to the students themselves that, that for that second co-op term that, that that business wants them back. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, it's a good working relationship and uh, students learn as much on the co-op experience as they do in the classroom. And so I think one of the, the, the key things in the program is uh, in, at Mohawk College we've got apprenticeship, we have technician programs, technology programs, they all have a different skill level. Um, you know, the apprenticeship are very hands-on. We move into a technician, and the technicians have those hands-on skills, but they start to develop some other uh, management skills. They get some business kind of related skills, estimating skills. 
technology students then move in and have more design experience and some construction management type skills so as they depending on what the student wants if they really strictly just want hands on or they want the hands on but also the practical kind of business and design skills they there's the technology when you see a, a skill set in a, in a student uh, uh, Peter I'll throw it over to you do you, do you channel them off in a certain direction and say, you know what, I think you'd be pretty good at this if you thought about oh, something okay. like this? <laughs> Absolutely. What's your story, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> I talked to Peter a lot my first semester because I was debating between yeah. architecture and civil, and he gave me a lot of advice um, on which route I should go. <laughs> and, and she ended up in the civil program. I, I guess it's just after 30 years, you begin to see the traits in a student and uh, and, and their skill levels, and so you try to direct them in, in the field that you see they will be most successful in. And, and that's got to be the match, obviously, where the interest is, but at the same time where the skill set is, which is going to make a better experience for everybody. Exactly, Bill. That, those are the two things. That I always tell students to follow their heart and uh, and do what uh, what it is that they really enjoy. Because if you get into an industry where you know you hate going to work in the morning, I don't think you're going to be very successful there. So. No, I just have these terrible memories of my high school drafting class and, and I had a yeah. fabulous t instructor who had been in the industry for many years and just said well, you know I don't really think this is your this is not your strong suit right, okay right, and you yeah. need somebody to tell you that at some point don't you yeah definitely and it's it's really nice to have um, really good mentors at Mohawk that you can talk to there's a lot of support staff there so I had always had a lot of people that I could go talk to about the industry and everything like that and all those people helped me get to where I am today and I'm so glad that I talked to them Dave, tell us about, and I want to get Alex's story on this too, but talk to us about your experience with the Walters Group, that first term, that co-op term. What was that like for you? What, what did you get out of that? A lot of experience. I was, uh, my first co-op term, I spent, uh, spent eight months in northern Ontario. We were working on a gold mine. So I had a lot of field experience uh, thrown at me. We, a lot um, of life experience too. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a very different world. It, but, uh, but the fact that I was there, boots on the ground, getting my hands dirty with the, with the trades, helping to coordinate everything, the steel shipments, uh, the whole erection crew, the timetables, the schedules. Uh, there was a lot. Right, they threw you right into the deep end of the pool, didn't they? They did, yes. And uh, there was a lot of responsibility placed on my shoulders. And I appreciated that because it helped me leaps and bounds to, to, to figure out what the industry was all about. And it, and it really made me fall in love with the industry. Well, and, and again, there's that hands-on thing, isn't it, Alexandra? I mean, yes. you know, a co-op term is not just, hey, yeah, yeah, go take that paper over to that guy over there. I mean, you're right in there. Yeah, definitely. And my first term, I was in the field services department, and that was something that I had never experienced before. Um, and so I got How to nervous see, were you? <laughs> very nervous. <laughs> very nervous. But it was the people at Walters were really um, benefit benefited me because they really helped me out a lot, and they taught me um, a lot of um, in new things and it was really great because um, the more that I learned the more that I wanted to learn and after being there for my first uh, co-op term I realized that I wanted to see a different side of things and I wanted to go into the engineering department and it was very easy for me to talk to them and say well I really want to see a different side of things and I was able to actually switch to a different department. Yeah. You know I liked your comment there that you know I learned and then I decided I want to learn some more. Yeah. And I think that's the great part of co-op. The students go out. We, we see this time and time again. Students come in and they're kind of not sure where they're going, what they're doing. They get out on a co-op and they come back and realize the stuff I'm learning is actually what people do out in the field. So I better learn some more. 
And so great opportunities to learn, go out and work, learn, go out and work. Um, I think that's really tremendous benefit for students to get into a co-op But that, that program. also goes to the work that you do uh, in the department to, to make that placement. And In other words, to put these two folks with the Walters Group, for instance. You know the Walters Group, you know what they're all about, you know what the, the character of that company, and you know the character of the, the two students here, and you figure that's going to be a good fit. Yep, I think there's... Uh, not just the Walters Group, that we, you know, like the, the faculty cover of like all aspects of the civil programs and the architect programs, transportation engineering, um, all those fields, they all kind of overlap because they're all part of development in an urban area. Um, you know, from the roads, the sewers, to the buildings, all aspects of it, they kind of got to understand what other diff- different groups are doing. You know, so, we, were, we were talking with Peter in the, in the first hour about... about determining exactly where the jobs are going to be and what the needs are going to be for communities in the future. Uh, what you guys are doing right now at Mohawk is right up the alley. I mean, because let's face it, the focus in just about every government now is infrastructure and trying to fix cities up again, and, and that's that's right into your wheelhouse. Definitely. There's, uh, you know, we just look at Hamilton itself, and uh, if we got this, uh, the LRT project, there's takes all aspects of sort of the civil but not only just civil, also architectural, because when you put in a facility like that, we know that development all along the route is going to come right with it. So that means new buildings, new designs, uh, new structures, steel, concrete, wood, all the different products that uh, we On use. On the ground and under the ground. And under the ground. There's going to be an awful lot of work and yeah. an awful lot of need for, for people with the skill sets that you've got here. Now, i, I got to tell you, I was surprised, Dave, when you were telling me about your placement because I was always under the impression, uh, you'll get a placement and maybe you'll go up to, uh, to Rymel Road to the Walters place up there or maybe down here at the Brantford or something like this. But, uh, but to, to actually go where you did and have that kind of life experience as well, you can't buy that, can you? No, absolutely not. And that I think that does so much more for your your work experience. I mean, you're learning exponentially because I mean, because it was a camp job. You're trying to there wasn't much else to do but work. So we were we were working long days uh, all throughout the week. And the fact that it was such a large job, and you're looking at, after so many different aspects of it, your experiences are are extremely important to your future career because you're dealing with so many little things, so many different things, you can uh, you can decide on what you like the best out of it and then uh, focus your your attention towards that one point. As you were finishing up the program here, and, and you'd obviously, uh, Alexander, developed this relationship with the Walters Group because of the co-op placements like that, did you have an idea what you wanted to do upon graduation? Uh, yeah, actually, once I got into the civil classes more, I realized that structures was my favorite class. And so that's why Walters was such a great fit for me. That's that's what I was passionate about. And so I kind of had that mindset even over a year ago that that's the route I wanted to take. And I, and I do plan to further my education in engineering and get my uh, degree, hopefully, and become a professional engineer in the future. And that's because of the courses at Mohawk and the experience that I'm getting at Walters is really um, helping me um, to ignite that passion in me. Are they are they helping you along with that, that goal of, of trying to further the education? Yes, they definitely are open to supporting me in that goal, and so just have to see what the future holds. Which is, I guess, one of the themes of, of what you guys do here, Peter. I mean, education, is, as Alexandra just said, is ongoing. It's not, congratulations, you've graduated, now right. see you later. Right. Uh, it's 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 it's, ever, it's full circle, really, isn't it? It is. Um, 
you know, I, I wanted to mention earlier to say that uh, in the engineering department at Walters, I think we are now approaching something like 50 graduates that are that are employed uh, at, at Walters in the engineering side of things, and that's estimating and project management and detailing um, in the field as well. And then uh, from this current welding program down here, there's somewhere between 15 and 20 uh, welders that have joined Walters. And uh, when Peter Cranendonk said family matters with Walters and their core values, uh, that's huge. And uh, and the success rate, the retention rate has got to be 99%. I mean, it, it just when when these students are, are sent based on their skills and their uh, their personalities, we're uh, we're very very successful in those placements. But uh, to have that faith in the students, obviously, uh, you know, and, and you go back to, to your experience, Dave, uh, to get a, a placement like that and be being thrown right into a, a big job like this, uh, it's no, it speaks to the level of of, of the students' abilities. I think that obviously the Walters Group recognizes. I, I always I always tell the students that we can still change their marks later on, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that has a big a big impact. <laughs> it's uh, it's been a remarkable story though to see the kind of success that's going on. What's uh, what's your future, Dave? Uh, you, obviously, you you finished the course right now. What are, what are next steps for you? Uh, same as what Alex said, I, I do plan on going, uh, continuing my education and pursuing the, the professional licensing as a, as a professional engineer in Ontario. And Walters has been very, very supportive with that. And as was mentioned earlier, we are one family and everyone, everyone takes an interest in your, in your future. Walters uh, family has helped me, uh, grow as both in my, uh, my career and also personally as well and they seem to take a genuine interest in 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 my own future what my plans are and they they support that 100 percent we were talking earlier about getting the word out about about skilled trades and the work that can be done uh let's let's go back in the time machine back to the high school days uh, is that where you fostered the interest in in pursuing what you wanted to do um well we have this careers class in grade 10, and I remember taking that class. Uh, and I, I think I skipped those, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> No one really took much interest in that, but for that co course taught me was that if you take art and math, you get architecture. And so that's kind of where I started. And then from there, every single year after high school, I feel like I've learned something more about myself through all the different experiences I've had, both personally and through my education, and that's all those little things have got me to where I am today. And without any one of those steps, I wouldn't be where I am today. Same same story for you, though. When when you were in high school, is, is that where you, you began this interest? Uh, well, I, I did think you I've have always an had. <laughs> no, there was never really that aha moment. But uh, I, do, I do remember growing up on my street. There was one house that. I don't know if you're familiar with the Trillium Award. Sure, yeah. You would get it whenever, whoever has the nicest garden in, yeah. the, in the city. And there was one house, uh, the lady, she, she spent every every uh, summer morning out uh, printing her garden and keeping it beautiful. And it was a beautiful garden. And she would win year after year after year. And she took a lot of pride in that garden. And so what kind of drew me to, to civil engineering is the fact that well, if someone could take such pride in, in doing their garden, what, what would it be like to, to help to landscape your own city, to, to have something that you had your fingerprints on, uh, a building that you know is going to stand for decades, and, and just the thought that I helped build that, that's, that's something that, uh, that keeps me interested in engineering. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.